We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast, sponsored by the Booth Brewing. Hashtag follow your fun. This is, uh, how many, how many, this is, well, before we start about that, I am your host, Rob, with my co-host, Andy. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Um, This is how, how many weeks out are we from the Cheesy Bulls? December 26th. Today is the 9th, I believe. So just two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. It's been Man, two weeks. That's crazy. It's two weeks already since we were in Phoenix. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it feels like months ago. It does. It does. Um, but before we dive into the Cheese It Bowl and all this, all the goodness that <laughs> we have to talk about the Cheese It Bowl, um, we'd like to extend our condolences and thoughts and prayers and whatever we possibly can do to two members of the Cal family, one of which is former Cal defensive lineman Brandon Meebane. Um, whose daughter passed away, I believe, today, um, as we're recording this on the 9th. Um, I think the Chargers Twitter handle just or had a press release today about it. And um, I know that Brandon's daughter was uh, ill. Um, there was a game that he took off, because I'm a Chargers fan, he took off um, to be with his daughter. And it looked like she might be was getting a little bit better. And then I guess there were complications and... You know, now she's no longer here with us. So, but he has said that he will be playing this weekend uh, in New England. So, that's going to be one of those storylines to to watch going into that playoff game. But yeah, our our thoughts and everything are are with Brandon in that in that family. One hundred percent. Yeah, uh, and then also uh, defensive back Bryce Turner, who's a sophomore on this team this year, uh, passed away. I believe earlier this week, um, he was in a uh, just a just a workout down in Southern California. He's from Southern California. He went to St. John Bosco, um, and uh, he collapsed. They rushed him to the hospital. There were there was nothing other than that in terms of news. And then there were a lot of players uh, tweeting out like you know stay strong, BT. You know got pulled through. And then uh, I think it was earlier this week. Uh, where we got the official news that he had passed, um, and so yeah, it's it's hit a lot. Um, 
I believe the funeral is this weekend. Uh, so I know, of course, everyone's still on break. So a lot of players that are from Southern California are still there. I'm sure a lot of the players from wherever they are are going down there uh, for that. Um, they have a GoFundMe set up uh, for anyone who can help out in any sort of way um, with the with the costs and stuff that go into you know um, this. So that link is up on our website at CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. Golden uh, you can check into that article and find ways to to donate and help their family out and just be a part of the larger Cal family. I mean, this, this, these types of things definitely puts it into perspective of Mm -hmm. how, how, how these guys come and go. And it's, it's just four years that they spend here, but I mean, they put such a lasting impact on, on not only their teammates, but just the fans watching too. Um, And it's, it's terrible to see, you know, um, the guys currently that are on the team just have to, you know, be there for a funeral of a teammate of theirs. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough time, um, a part of the Cal family. But I know, you know, we'll we'll get through this. Um, and, it you know, guys have already started, you know, talking about they're going to win next season. They're going to the Rose Bowl for BT. They're winning the Pac-12 for BT. Um, and I think that's always a good sign when, when guys are coming together. And just because of how much of an impact he's had, on all of his teammates so yeah both sort of tremendous losses to the cal community and um every bit of positive energy and prayers thoughts anything we can offer goes to both those families and um the cal family is one massive family and uh those two losses were felt pretty deeply yeah uh but we're gonna move on from uh that uh to the Cheez-It Bowl, uh, which happened on December 26th. Andy, you and I both went out to Phoenix. Um, so I've, Still a good decision. It was a great decision. I, I, I'm, I have my Cal Cheez-It hat over there, and it's, it's going to be there. I'm going to wear it. It's from Phoenix. Lives in Phoenix. And would like to show me a bar that has a good craft beer selection. <laughs> craft beer... So anyone out there, this is going to be my bias side. Lagunitas does not count. Nope. Golden Road does not count. Any, like, Sierra Nevada does not count. I'm looking for craft beer. We found one. Was it called? Something pig? Yeah. It was right next to the place we were holed up at. So shoot us a message. DM us on Twitter. Please. Write a comment. Yep. Do what you need to do. Next time we go to the cheese bowl, <laughs> we want to find a good craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, um, Phoenix was great. Um, it was it was full of TCU and Cal fans, like everywhere the whole day. Um, I got there earlier in the day. Uh, my flight was at like, I think my flight was six. Yes. I got there eight fifty five, six a.m. Decision yeah, but I but Trace from Rivals and formerly of CGB was on the flight with me, so we sat in the same row together and we just we slept and then got there and we, so we did all our things. But um, it was cool because the entire flight pretty much was Cal fans. Um, there were a couple people that were on the flight, like moving on to another destination, uh, but most of them were Cal fans. And I I heard uh, Nam's flight from LA was also 
mm-hmm. mostly Cal fans as well. So I think a lot of people flew out that day. It's not that bad of a flight. I mean, it's a two-hour flight uh, from here, from the Bay Area, oh, at least. Easy. Yeah. It was yeah. an easy flight. Easy. Um, I mean, I took I took the entire day, went out to the city and, and or downtown area and stuff during the day, but... For you, when you came in, then you know we were already at a bar, and you had you walked from our Airbnb to the thing. Like, what what was your takes of like the city and with the bowl game in it? Uh, it's a pretty funny place to be on December twenty sixth because wait, what was the twenty sixth? It was the twenty sixth. Yeah, so the there day after was Christmas, nobody there. <laughs> I was walking. I don't know, fifteen minutes. And I walk straight through downtown Phoenix in the financial district, and there's not a soul there. So number one lesson was not a single person in Phoenix works over the holiday break. So net plus probably for Phoenix on that one. Uh, And then we kind of got to this uh, bar where most of the CGB and XCGB and Rivals guys were yelling go bears at every person that walked by and seeing if they got a response. That was my idea, by the way. It was a good idea. So that was pretty fun, and uh, as we mentioned, as I mentioned, there was an absence of craft beer. Uh, <laughs> and then walking to the stadium was really cool. I think the stadium was a, a total blast because you know it's Chase Field, and yes, it's a baseball stadium, and we can talk about the press box view and all that type of stuff. But it's a newer stadium, um, really nice. I love how they've kind of set up. Uh, a little bit of that like Staples Center vibe where you have the bars and all that stuff like right next to it. Um, and then as you walk in, it, it was just really impressive. And then, I mean, for us, like the experience was super cool. And I hope for everybody else, but just to be able to be, you know, a fan, but walking then down onto the field and seeing the players warm up and talking to uh, a few people that we knew on the team and, and elsewhere. And then just like being front row watching, you know, drills and the DBs come out and GA and how fired up they were. Just gets you really excited to, to see the product on the field. So hope that was a good enough answer. But. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, we'll talk about the field first. I mean, the, the setup kind of felt like uh, you and I both, I think, were there. But the Emerald Bowl against Miami when we played at AT&T, well, now to be Oracle Park. Uh, but that it's the setup felt the same where they had, like, the the stand set up in the outfield to make the to make the football field. But the fact that this was indoors... Like, it made it so much nicer, and it was, like, temperature-controlled. Yeah. The coolest part about it was, like, they opened it up, and then they had the pregame with, like, the guys, the former, I think they were Marines? Navy SEALs. Or Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs, and I think a retired Green Beret or something yeah. like that. Like, it was really they, they, like, flew, they, they parachuted in, like, each guy holding, um, one guy had a Cal flag, one guy had a TCU flag, and then one guy had a flag of the US, United States. Like, and then, you know, they flew in, and they, they touched down, and then... They closed the the ceiling back up, and I was like, "That that's super cool." Like, cause just cause we don't have any dome stadiums, you know, like in our vicinity here in the Bay Area, so it's not it's cool to see like that type of setup. Um, but then, yeah, the field was great. The as you said, that stadium is really nice. It is a really nice stadium. Um, and so, yeah, we'll move on from there. Let's talk about the the press box. I know some people ask me questions about, like, how was the press box up there? Um, the press box was cheese it list, uh, which I still think is the most unacceptable thing I've ever experienced. But technically, we did have some cheese it stuff. Yeah, but okay, fine. We had a cheese it burger, right. and we had a cheese it chicken sandwich. 
Okay. So they didn't have cheese its <laughs> in the box, though. That's that's for sure. You and I both expected them to have, like, you know, popcorn dispensers full of cheeses where you can just scoop yeah. cheeses and eat. It should have cheese and bonanza. <laughs> I mean, what are they doing? <laughs> uh, it's a very silly brand marketing loss. Because I bought Cheez-Its in the airport on the way there, and I probably would have bought more Cheez-Its had I had. The, they apparently have what? They said they had some ridiculous number of flavors. I had no idea. Yeah, they, I'm still upset that the TCU site got an email from the Cheez-It company, and they sent them a box of Cheez-Its with flavors that have not been released yet to taste test all of them. And I said, this is bias. Wow. <laughs> this is bias. Maybe they knew. Maybe they knew. They knew what would have happened in the game. <laughs> Nobody could have predicted. Anyways, press box was cool. We really couldn't see any... Um, <laughs> Down in distance, so on a two-yard run, it was your best guess if it was two yards or 20. We were pretty much right behind the TCU band. That's pretty much where we were. Oh, is that where? Yeah. Oh. The band was, like, right oh, in front yeah. of us. Um, so we were behind a goalpost. Yeah. So it was cool because, you know, normally at Memorial, we're sitting about at, like, let's say the 20-yard line-ish, right? That's about where we're, we're sitting. Um, and we can see, like end zone to end zone right and we can see the down and distance and how far things go but the downside of that was that you know in a normal game at memorial we can't see whether field goals are made or like how plays develop you know because you don't have that depth perception of routes and and running lanes but with this view we got clear-cut views of like the pass pro um, running gaps and uh what's it wide receiver like plays and how they develop and how they you know overlapped and things like that but it was exceptionally cool for the first quarter and then after that not much no it was so hard to tweet because it was so difficult trying to figure out how many yards that (laughs) that play went (laughs) yeah it was fun though i mean it was a good spot to be in and um i mean i think if the view from a you really would appreciate it more as being there like if you just continually reminded yourself that this is a baseball stadium yeah and this is where the press sat for a baseball game it's unbelievable we were right behind home plate it's like right behind home plate like 10th row or something crazy yeah. i mean you are just like in the most amazing spot so um it was cool it was just very, i mean like very grateful to have been there and um even as the game got more and more ridiculous it you know it's kind of fun in that sense all right i guess we gotta talk about the game right I guess so. (laughs) All right. TCU, the Horned Frogs against the California Golden Bears on the 26th of December, 2018. TCU, 10, Cal 7, final score in overtime. All right. Let me just give you some of the general stats for the game, and then I'm going to read you something right after. Okay. Uh, First downs, Cal 14, TCU 16. Um, Rushing yards, Cal had 30 rushes for 100 yards. TCU had... 59 carries for 262 yards. <laughs> Passing yards, Cal had 164. TCU had 28. Pass, <laughs> um, and then uh, passing, Chase Garbers, 12 of 19 with three interceptions. Chase Forrest, 4 of 14 with two interceptions. Uh, Chase Garbers was also sacked four times and threw for 93 yards. Uh, on the TCU side, Justin Rogers, 1 of 1 for one yard, and that's it. And then uh, Mulestein for 7 of 20 for four interceptions and 27 yards and a sack. In terms of rushing, um, Olonilua, Olo Olo I can't say his name, 
for the love of me. Uh, he had 32 rushes uh, for 194 yards and a touchdown. He did, did you know this? I didn't know this until I just looked at the stat. He had zero loss yards. Yeah, he was, That's incredible. He's really good. Yeah. Cal, on the other hand, Chris Brown Jr., 14 carries for 59 yards. Uh, and Patrick Laird, 7 carries for 29 yards. Um, defensively, uh, Jalen Hawkins, of course, winning the player of the game, defensive player of the game, with three interceptions. And I believe he had the most uh, yards because no other guy had over 30-something yards. He out, like his reception yards total beat the total number of receiving yards for TCU's entire offense. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Can't make that up, folks. Can't make it up. Some defensive stats. Jordan Kanasich, 14 total tackles with one interception. Tevin Paul, seven tackles, half a tackle for loss. Jalen Hawkins, six tackles, half a tackle for loss, three interceptions, return for 29 yards. And then, of course, Evan Rambo, three tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss. And Zionde Johnson, two tackles, uh, one sack, and one one and a half tackles for loss. Yeah, Zionde played well. Zionde did play well. All right. Let me read you this before we delve into this. This is CBS Sports. Our our man, uh, Tom Fornelli, uh, wrote a article where he ranked every single bowl game uh, from this offseason, I think, up to all the New York Six Bowls. Yeah, because yeah, he published it on January 2nd. So include all of them. Number one was the Cheez-It Bowl. Let me read you what he said. Yes, that's right. My number one bowl game this season featured 17 points and nine turnovers. Believe me, this was not a pretty game. It was not a well-played game. In fact, I'm confident both Gary Patterson and Justin Wilcox will burn the tape and move on to prepare for next season rather than go over what went wrong. But in spite of all of that, it was great. There were so many moments in the game where you were openly announcing to yourself or a crowded room, what the F was that? If you were watching this game in a bar or alongside thousands of your closest friends on Twitter, it wasn't just a game, but a social event. 20 years from now, you won't remember most things from the 2018 college football bowl season, but I guarantee you'll remember watching the Cheez-It Bowl. Just beautifully bad football, a cult classic, five stars. If they ever make it into a movie, both The Rock and Jason Statham will be in it. (laughs) (laughs) On opposite sides of the field. (laughs) How great. How great was that? That's so well written. I mean, that's exactly how we felt. That is exactly, exactly how we felt. So I was a little more negative in the moment. I, well, all of us were just because we lost. Yeah. <laughs> and how how badly our offense played. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you've got to give credit to Avi on this one because he was saying the whole time how great it was, how great it was. And I just was like, well, I didn't really think it was that great. But... You know, he sort of said, it's just, you're going to remember this game. You'll never forget this game. And I, you know, more and more time passed. And it was, you watch any of those other bowl games, even the national championship game was just not all that interesting for the fourth quarter. No, that was a blowout. Yeah. was <laughs> crescendoing in the fourth quarter. <laughs> like, it was just getting started. Uh, and so I think, you know, it was, it was, and there was so much disbelief on the press row of every play on both sides of the field, unbiased. Like, there's no bias because everyone is just sort of saying, like, this can't possibly be happening. (laughs) I mean, holy hell, they tried to do, what, a triple pass play? Or is a double pass play? A double pass play, which resulted in two forward passes, but we picked off the second one. And 
Yeah, and, and then on the vi- like the very next possession, Cal just throws the ball right back. Like it was, it was ridi- it had some of the most ridiculous plays I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Some of the worst quarterback play I've ever seen and from it both teams. Two senior, two uh, four-year starter or four-year. Oh, sorry, fifth, fifth year, fifth-year players like I am Mulestein and Forrest were like literally the oh, two players they were the, in yeah. college football that had stayed on a team for their entire time and never and started never, a game. Yeah, never started a game. Yeah. And they were <laughs> the main actors in this film. That was Jason Statham and You think the wait, Rock. wait, wait. From from our from our side, do you think Chase Force Chase Force was the main actor or Chase Garbers was the main actor? I think you would it's that's the nice little plot twist <laughs> is you would think it would be Chase Garbers cuz he's the starter, but in the end, it was Chase Forrest. It was Chase Forrest the whole time. And the <laughs> Amazing thing about that was you didn't know which chase it was, and the game was at Chase Field. So it was triple chaseception, if you will. Oh, God. Uh, so was the top spinning at the end, or was it about to fall down? Like I, 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 It's still spinning. It's still spinning. It's still spinning. We don't know. <laughs> we no don't way. know. Well, there, there are rumors that ghosts of two chases are still throwing footballs around at Chase Field. There are still rumors. <laughs> to Purple Jay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean... All right. The interceptions <laughs> were just bad. I mean, some of the some of the other stats like we got to look at like Justin Rogers, right? The guy that came in and played quarterback and threw one completion for 1 yard. He doesn't have feeling in one of his feet. He's he's he has both feet, <laughs> but he has ner- I I believe they said something like he has nerve damage in a foot. Drop foot. Yeah. So we literally <laughs> played against a quarterback that had one foot, and we gave him a completion <laughs> for a yard. Well, I mean, the first play was like a, tack, a sack. Yeah, well, yeah, we sacked him, too. And then I think he got one <laughs> yard. Yes. I, I also think, like, it is fair to question, like, what in the hell is that guy doing in the football game? Like, if you are a parent, excuse yeah. me, my son cannot feel his foot. What is he doing being chased around. Well, he shouldn't have been medically cleared to play at all, in my opinion. If you can't feel your foot, how are you supposed to run? The whole point of this game, the basis of this game called football, is running. <laughs> it was That was just a thing of beauty. I mean, they just had no answer. I mean, we, everything we thought about the Cal defense was, you know, kind of realized. The biggest thing in this game was the most confusing part of this game is actually how successful TCU ran the football. Yep. Um, and it really was just Salo or whatever, how you say his name, the guy from Michigan, who uh, apparently is like the strongest student in college football. So I'm not surprised. And then also when they started to run more of like that set where they didn't even worry about having a quarterback, like kind of, I don't know if it was pistol or whatever you want to call it, but it went like semi wildcat ish. Yeah. Semi wild. Like it was you know, one of those things where you kind of heard it in the national championship when, um, I think Alabama was struggling to cover it, and or actually, actually, it might have been uh, Alabama was, ran a couple Alabama, wild. Yeah. Alabama was running with Najee, yeah. And then they're saying how hard it is to stop those plays uh, on a defense, and so like some of it's like, yes, I get it, and then other parts of it, are like, man, but couldn't you have just like really keyed in on the run game because they have twenty four passing yards, twenty seven passing yards? Like, I don't know, but. Overall, it, that's the problem with this game. I feel like 
I was like, oh, I can't believe like the defense allowed so much rushing yards. And then I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. Like the defense played exceptionally well. There should be no blame put on the defense. If our offense wasn't atrociously bad, the defense would be hoisted up and their jerseys would be sent to the rafters on how well they played. It's like such an interesting, you know, experiment of perspective because in any other world in isolation, their performance is stellar. Yet in our world, it led to a loss. This arguably, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this comment, this arguably was the Cal defense's best performance of the year. From, a, from everything from a statistical standpoint and what they did, I think this was their best game of the year. The only reason why I don't agree with you on that is because I think they've played better offenses and shut them down in similar ways. Like, so I look at the Washington game as being better. I mean, like kind of even looking at maybe USC because they have so many targets. Um, even in you know the Colorado game is a decent example where because like they had to go against LaVisca Chenault mm-hmm. and like I, I do think that they play better offenses like it's not every day where you get to play against a third string quarterback so statistically like i totally agree but if you take into account the quality of the opponent then i'm sort of i I waver on it a little bit but i think it's fair i mean this was like a friday the 13th like freaky friday type of game right like nine interceptions in a game is just ridiculous and then on top of that None of those nine interceptions were returned for a touchdown. <laughs> you would think, you would think the chance of one being returned for a pick six is pretty high. Yeah. But my God, that one interception where I believe it was Chase Garber's chase down. Um, the, I don't remember who intercepted it, but like at like the, the 10 or 12 yard line. Um, and then they went back and they missed the field goal. Like, cause right. the quarter, the quarter ended. Yeah, so that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was their uh, that was their touchdown. It was the weird the weird setup of where it was intercepted. They ran it back into our half, like down into the twenty. Chase Garber's like did that shoestring tackle to, or was it Forrest? I can't remember at this point. Um, to get him to get him out of bounds. Second and then, half. Yeah, Forrest. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then it was Forrest. Chased him down, tackled him. Then that led to the end of the third quarter stuff where. He re- he punches it in. They don't call it a touchdown. Quarter ends. They review it in that in that uh, timeout between the third and fourth quarter. They reverse the call and say it was a touchdown. Then we go back to three seconds left in the in the third quarter, and then we play out that. Then we have another intermission between the third and fourth quarter. Like I've never been in a game where time went backwards. <laughs> Yeah, we defied. <laughs> we defied physics. Physics, <laughs> which is pretty um, pretty on brand for a cow game, if you ask me. <laughs> pretty on brand for this particular game too. Yeah, Jeez. I mean, like look at the, <laughs> the, the TCU receiving stat line: Meeking two receptions for four yards, Barber two receptions for three yards, <laughs> Austin one reception for fifteen yards, Stewart one reception for four yards. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh. Goodness, that's it. That's I, not first quarter stats. If you're like, no, they accidentally messed up, no, no that's it's not an error. <laughs> that's the full game. That's it. Oh, literally six receptions 
for the right. entire game. So we, we talked about the quarterback that had one foot. We talked about the exorbitant amount of interceptions. The funnier part was there was not a single fumble. Isn't that weird? That we had, yeah, you had nine interceptions <laughs> in terms of turnovers and no fumbles. No fumbles. Um, so we talked about the nine. We talked about no interception on that. We talked about the uh, receiving yards by Jalen Hawkins versus the total res- passing yards of the TCU. I think the one part I know that you – we talked about a bunch and I, you love talking about was the whole kicking thing. Yeah. So the I'm going gonna, gonna to let thing. you talk about this kicking thing. The kicking thing was amazing. <laughs> um, I feel like in the time since past, like I've – have more information on it but it's absolutely hilarious to think of what gary patterson did with his kicker essentially brought in his korean kicker this uh, was this was to win the game in in regulation reg- yeah in regulation brings in it was a co it's the last name song song and so he brings him in and then uh is like no we're gonna actually go forward with our other kicker so first of all song the korean kicker i looked it up ahead of time was like eight of ten on the year and his long was 45. It was and in his range. It's in his range. And Patterson's like, no, I'm going to go with the other dude who's 5 of 10 on the year. And his range was 43 or 41. It was something even worse. Yeah. So they downgraded. Then he puts him in the game. Then Wilcox calls timeout, timeout to ice the kicker. Then Patterson uh, sends his kicker off of the field because he apparently thinks like he, I don't know if it's because he took his helmet off or what the deal is, but he's screaming pissed, sends him to the bench, and then tells him to get back up and rushes him back in the game after chewing him out. With like 10 seconds left on the play clock. Comes onto the field (laughs) and misses a kick, obviously. (laughs) Like, what in the hell? Like, what was happening? At that point, I was like, dude, there is no way your team deserves to win. Zero, zero. Like, uh, ridiculous. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that accuracy on exactly what happened is probably like 85%. But it was like, it was just mayhem. And like, in the moment, we had no idea. We were just like, what is happening? Is it the Korean kicker? Is it not the Korean kicker? Rob's over here like, if you don't put the Korean kicker in, you're going to miss. And then all of a sudden, miss. is like, told you. (laughs) It's just one of those things that was absolutely wild it's like no i don't think anyone had any idea other than i was pretty sure that whoever was gonna take that kick just by how the game was going like was not gonna odds are not in your favor no. of making this kick there's a little bit of me where i was like we're gonna see like a triple doink aren't we like that that felt like that was in the cards right like yeah. just because how the game was going um but no he just he just missed badly um wow <laughs> I mean, crazy. And then I, we have our overtime play oh calling. Oh God! And then the overtime play calling, we go pass, 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 pass. <laughs> and shocking, what happened? Jay Curran saved the game. He saved the game. He also flopped, <laughs> which he was <laughs> which was arguably one of the greatest flops ever. And <laughs> if his tweet, I think, was the best. Yeah, where he he said something along the might have oversold. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that was great. It's such a good. It's such a good clip. I'm pretty sure he never thought that he it would be caught on camera. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, and someone turned into it's someone like, turned it into uh, like a little gif. It's hilarious. Probably one of those plays you get up from. You're like, oh, uh, I really hope nobody saw. <laughs> <laughs> clear as day in the background of the of the video shot too. So, 
Oh man. Um, but yeah, I mean, so let's so let's talk about that. That the overtime play calling was very reminiscent of, I believe it was the SC game, right? Like we won we won the SC game, but we got the ball back with I think about four minutes left mm. in that SC game, right? And what do we decide to do? Instead of running and trying to get the first downs, we threw like two 40-yard bombs, like trying to eat yards. And then we gave the ball back to them, you know, with like, I believe it was like, you know, I think around two, three minutes left because we stopped the clock on like two quick passes. I, that kind of felt that. I feel like, like it, the time, the time stamps might be a little off, but. Yeah, but you remember what I'm talking the about. the USC game on, with I think four and a half minutes left running the football. Remember? Wasn't that the Washington game? I don't know. It's all blending. Now. It's all. <laughs> I guess like we had that. I'm thinking of the drive with Iman and game over the sideline, and but we were. I thought that that maybe maybe the timestamps are right. Anyways, yeah, but that's, that's the that's the, the play call I'm looking at is like like we have not been passing well all game, and like it's overtime, right? Like you you got to go somewhat conservative, not too conservative, but. You can't be just slinging the ball and, like, expect to eat up the yards. Now, at the time, and I haven't been able to find the tweet, but Nick tweeted something that said that he was, like, I think maybe in the third quarter. He was like, uh, it's actually, statistically, we're doing a better job of passing the football than we were running the football. And, but then, I mean, I don't have any excuses for it. I, <laughs> I really didn't have that many issues with the play calls um, the, in the game. I thought the first quarter, it looked like we were going to blow them out of the water. Thought we could be up. The thing was, the turnovers prevented us from being up 21. Yeah, we should have been up quite a bit more. Yeah, maybe 14, 17, something like that. And, uh, but I thought the play calls were really good. Like, didn't have any issues with it. I thought the O line was opening up good holes. And we lost our starting running back and we lost our best wide receiver. And, you know, I, if you'd told me that we're going to have Chase Garbers and then we're going to bench Garbers and then also you're going to have. Patrick Laird and kind of I Noah go out of the game. I'd be like, well, the odds of us winning that game are pretty slim. So it's, it wasn't like all that surprising. If when you like think about the game as a whole, I just think it, it was a like perfect encapsulation of everything that the 2018 season was, which is just some of the worst quarterback play. And, you know, I've, we've had this conversation a bunch about like Bowers and Garbers and Forrest and McElwain. And I'm literally of the camp, like, Bowers would have been the best choice of them all, and they're all terrible. (laughs) I mean that in the, like, it's a very honest way for me to to say it, because I don't mean to, like, throw players under the bus, and there's been plenty of people that have said, oh, you know, it's on coaches, coach them up, and I agree. I just just have never seen it with Chase Garbers. It's, It's just never been something. I think, like, his best element is running the football, and I think passing, he has slightly better touch than McIlwain but he also just lost confidence every single game towards the end of the year and he took four sacks in this game like he just like that probably got to him and then he started throwing picks and like it literally was like as soon as that first interception happened his entire confidence disappeared and I think that's really is that part is on the coaches because they made this sort of huge deal about McIlwain's struggle with interceptions and turnovers. Can't turn over football. Can't turn over football. And I'm sure it became such a big deal that when he started doing it, he's like, oh, damn it. Like, and then you know, when you tense up, bad things happen. So, but anyways, I'm so excited for the, if we had, I mean, could we, like, if we were in this position, having watched this football game, and we had not had the JC or, you know, the transfers that we'd gotten into this program this year, 
you and I would be sitting here being like heads. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, but instead, you know, I, I've been more inclined this entire time since previously saying that I thought Bo Baldwin would leave for another job. Uh, that, uh, that I think, you know, you kind of got to give him one more chance. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been in the camp of, I don't mind either way because yes, I think that people should be held accountable for whatever that offense we saw this year is. But at the same time, like his offense last year was not bad. Right. And for you to come back to, and the weird, I, I don't know if we'll, ever find out the backstory of like what happened with the quarterback situation in the early in the year i think we might we might i think ross could start talking about it if we're depending on where he lands yeah it just could be one of those things that's leaked i mean i don't know if we'll ever be able to talk about it on the podcast but we might be able to talk about it at a bar yeah um <laughs> uh, but yeah it's just one of those things where it's like you you, you had one solid year you had one terrible year like if he had two terrible years in a row, yes, he's gone. He should be gone. Like, if he had this type of year last year as well, he's, yeah. he's definitely gone. But the fact that he had a decent one last year without arguably or with pretty much the same roster, right? Except the quarterback was the only thing that pretty much changed. Yeah. So you have to give him another chance to see what he can do, like, you know, with everyone healthy, with him bringing in his own guys and having a roster build of guys that, that knows what he wants to do and how he wants to go about it. Especially if you consider the fact that we technically lost our starting quarterback in preseason. Yeah. So, or even I mean, you could even push it and just say we lost our starting quarterback in week one. Yeah. Which is which makes it even worse. So I think if you had said you're going to put a backup quarterback in, I mean, it's all kind of goes back, and we were going to get seven wins. You know, it's one of those things like we easily could have been a nine win team. Arguably could have been a 10 win team. Uh, and I don't even think you really have to argue that hard in order to see that. Um, but it wasn't, you know, just just didn't happen this year. And you, know what I'm, you know what I'm going to say? I'm, you know who I'm going to blame this entire season on? I'm going to blame it on Tennessee. Tennessee stole Adrian Martinez away from us, right? Okay. And then... Wandering eye syndrome. Yeah. yeah, but, then, syndrome. yeah but then he left, right? And then we had JT. Oh, they took Shroud. And they took JT from us, too. Is he good? I don't think he played this year. I think they they have a, they had a starting quarterback there, but I think the the point of my story is that took away that that left us in a very bad spot in terms of quarterback recruiting because we pretty much had JT locked up and we thought JT was the guy coming in in that class, and then we didn't have a quarterback in that class. And then unbelievably, we did not take a quarterback. Yeah. And then we had this season. You're like, oh yeah. my gosh, how's that possible? Yeah, we so, didn't have a freshman quarterback to just like throw into the deep end and be like, let's see what you can do. And that's what's that's like this was if this was like the picture perfect season for like that type of thing, right? Where you have like a like a four star or, or like yeah. high four star quarterback where you know we lost our starter, we're just gonna let you figure it out as we go. Yeah, and that hurts because I mean, yes, I agree. And it hurts to not have had that because you could you could have developed for the future. We're not looking for, as you said, we're not looking to get Davis Webb or Jared Goff here, but you could have had a really nice developmental season for a young quarterback. With a bowl game win. With that defense, yeah. that defense could have carried a freshman quarterback through yeah. a few games. And instead, what you have is just zero answers except for, you know, 
two hands claps together <laughs> for Devin Modster. Like, and that is, uh, and that's the reality is, I mean, I just don't think Garber's like, would, does anyone have any confidence that he's like the guy? Not after this season. He'd have to have one hell of an off season. I have no confidence. Mo, Mo Ways has confidence in that. Yeah. Mo Ways is awesome. Mo Ways is a great dude. Great dude, um, by the way. Uh, the thing, okay, so let, let's, let me move on from, so here's my ending thought on the Bo Baldwin, like leaving and stuff. The thing that turned my mind around or was key in supporting what I thought was when I was watching the national championship game and they were talking about Justin Fields, the wide receiver at Clemson who had some ridiculous catches, by no, the way, not Justin Fields. Oh, it's not Justin Fields. Yeah, no. Oh, Justin Fields is the quarterback from Georgia. Yeah. Um, it's Justin something. I know it's just in something. Something with an R? Yeah. Um, but that wide receiver, right? The number one wide receiver from Alabama. He's from the state of Alabama, yeah. and he went to Clemson instead. And the reason he said he went to Alabama— Is it Justin Ross? Is it Justin Ross? Yeah. It is Justin Ross. He spells Justin with a Y. I know yeah. that. The reason he said he went to Clemson was that he felt comfortable with the staff and that they would be there. One of the biggest knocks— apparently with Alabama is the unknown quantity of consistency with the coaching staff behind Saban. Mm. So the wide receiver coaches, the DB coaches, the offensive coordinator, exactly. Everyone moves on to head coaching jobs. Like that's, that's just that type of system that's there because he brings in such high profile coaches to coach for a year. They'll probably get, you know, hired somewhere else. That's uh, apparently that's why Justin picked one of the Clemson things was because in Underneath Dabo, like that thing's there, but you rarely, you, I don't think they've lost a lot in terms of their position coaches and, and in, in that, despite winning two national championships. Yeah. And they brought in one hell of a defensive coordinator who I believe they upped for like double digit millions. I think it's like 11 million over three years or something like that, which is ridiculous money for a defensive coordinator yeah. in college football. But, so, all right. So, how did that? Loop it back to yeah. Baldwin. So you like the consistency? I love the consistency issue. I think that's the type of program you need to build here. Um, you need to build guys that want to be here long term, that yep. don't have the wandering eye. Yep. That was the issue with our previous regime. So, yes, I totally agree. I would love to go with consistency. But on the wandering eye front, we're going to have people get poached anyways. Right. DeRoyter was interviewed by Houston. Now, people freaked out about that. We have no idea what that interview was. Was it a phone interview? No, we also don't know what the word interview encapsulates. Like it like, could have been, it could have been them like talking to him at a coaches conference two years ago. But just to add names, because they fired their head coach and then hired Holgerson within 24 hours. Yeah, there's no way they could have sufficiently interviewed all of those guys. They apparently interviewed DeRoyter. They apparently interviewed Tosh. But we didn't like, hear about DeRoyer getting flown out or any of that yeah, stuff. And nothing. We trust me, we knew about that stuff happening when Bo was that was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just rooting for the guy. Like I I don't know. I just don't I wasn't calling for his head, and I've only said that I think he was gonna leave. I thought he was gonna leave because I thought he was gonna get another job. And I also thought he was gonna be good at that job because I think that his system can be successful. I just it just doesn't seem like a system failure to me. And I feel like identifying system failures is, is easier to see. And like, but <laughs> I, and I understand like the defense, like just like comparing statistically buzz defense to 
uh, Baldwin's offense, and they are not that far apart. But to me, the visual experience of watching those two units play was so vastly different mm-hmm. because we're still running things on offense and we're still having success, some level of success. But on defense, it was like, dude, these guys literally don't know how to tackle. Like, we still knew the fundamentals of offense. We just couldn't execute them. And when it comes down to executing, some of it is on the coaches and some of it is on the players. And we're super reluctant to put it on the players because, like, dude, they're college kids. They should be paid. They're 18-year-olds. Like, like 18 to 20-year-olds. Like, how much pressure can you put on them? But to some degree, like, we have a backup quarterback who was recruited by a different head coach that was, and then we had who also was leapfrogged by another transfer who then started fumbling the ball over and then you lose your number one ride receiver for the last three games and he comes back gets hurt in the first play of the bowl game like it, it, Vic Wharton sitting over there who literally can't block down feet like all right, I don't want to go into like I don't want to be well who also didn't play in the bowl game in the NFL like whatever man but like our receivers need to learn how to block better we need to utilize more of the tight end and that type of stuff comes at a coaching level and then at the same time I think like decision making picks throwing it into double coverage, like misreading a safety on one of those plays and then like, dude, those are that's not coaching. That's just simply put as a player in a position that is not succeeding. And so uh because he's he's making mental mistakes. Like I don't know. I don't know. I think I think to to the coaching part, at least the offensive side, right? Defensive okay, defensive recruiting has its qualms. Like we haven't we haven't closed on a lot of the top tier guys we were in on from the get go, and that sucked. But they still brought in a bunch of guys that are super talented. The offensive, the offensive side of the ball is where we have the question marks. Is because if you look, if you look, this is our third cycle, right? This is the third, 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 quote unquote, kind of third cycle with the staff. They have yet to bring in a freshman quarterback. Yeah. No, Spencer Brash. But he's coming in next year, oh, yeah. right? So like, but you can't say three cycles. Okay, yeah, year. okay, yeah. So so brash, so brash. Yeah, and then but he's not even uh, he's not even going to be the guy that like competes for the spot. Like you're expecting Modster to be that guy. So you're bringing in a transfer there. You can't close on any of your wide receiver targets, right? So you go after like as a in terms of high school prospects. So you close on arguably the number one wide receiver in JUCO, in um, Trevin, Clark. Trevin Clark. But that's also a little asterisk, too, because his coach is Jeff MacArthur, yep. which has that huge Cal tie. And he was on his official visit the same weekend that Jeff... Or no, that wasn't the same weekend, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, Jeff was here. He got he was into the Hall of Fame and all that, all that yeah, jazz. Yeah, so, yeah, delay it. Yeah. So in that sense, you, you're not producing like on the recruiting front. And if you're not bringing in talent, like there's nothing you can do about that, right? Like you bring in transfer talent and that covers you for like, let's say a year or two. But that's no way to sustain a program if you can't close on high school kids, like especially at the skill positions. So I think we said at the last pod that it was on from what we wanted to see from a, so this is the coaching staff evaluation. What we wanted to see from a coaching staff was for them to earn their paycheck and go out and recruit. And based on what we've seen at several positions, I would say that there are some coaches out there that are not earning that paycheck. 
And I'm not at a point of frustration with it where I'm like, you need to be out. But if they bounced, I wouldn't necessarily shed a tear about it. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's with coaches, I, for me, it's twofold, right? If you can't recruit, then you better coach the hell out of these kids. Like, you better be a damn good coach. Like, being able to, to just find diamonds in the rough and just teaching fundamentals and just, you know, being a really good coach. Or, if you can't do that, then you better be a stellar, stellar recruiter and bring in guys to alleviate your ability to coach because of their high level of athleticism and innate ability to play the sport. If you're not doing either, what really are you doing? What would you say? Yeah. What would you say you do here? Um, So yeah, that's, that's the eval I would go through. And I, there's a bunch of positions. I mean, here's, I'm just going to go on a limb and say it here. If I was Wilcox and I'm looking at the offensive staff, most of those assistants are on either one-year deal or two-year deals. The only guys that are on multiple-year deals are the coordinators. So don't touch the defensive staff. You already gave everyone raises anyways because you had the extra 600K to work with. So you gave that, you know, you spread out everywhere. You most likely don't bring back Edwards, right? Because I think his, his deal is up, I think, in February or March. So you don't bring back Edwards. What I would do is I would move Toller to wide receiver because that's the position he played, mm-hmm. and that's the position he originally coached at Fresno State too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd bring in an actual like good big time running back coach. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to do it. Because um, I don't. I mean, and then you give Tui another year or two to see what he can do with Monster because that's the guy he recruited at UCLA, and you know didn't didn't win the job there. Yeah, you got first name mentioned in that transfer, so yeah. he gets credit for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on how you want to scale the team. Like, I, I actually agree. I think it could be an offense that maybe doesn't need to depend too much on the pass, especially if you're bringing in, like, these big-body athletic tight ends. Yeah. Like, that can be both blockers and then, and, you know, I, I mean, when I say too dependent, it's like too dependent on the wide receiver position. You can maybe be able to get away with just big guys that can block on the outside. So you mean so Stanford's like, offense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they have a little bit more of, like, tall pass catchers. Yeah. Whereas, like, yes, but, I mean, you could just set it up to be a running offense. I mean, Chris Brown looks great, like, um, and kind of plant your flag as uh, kind of Utah comes to mind to me. Yeah. Uh, Utah, not, maybe not as much this year, but over the last few years. I don't think they want to do that in this style of offense. No. And so I think if it was... They like, want to be balanced. They want to be yeah. like... They they want to basically be like Tedford. But if like it was me, of, like... If I looked... All right, so let's say we fail next year again and the offense is just dreadful. Yeah. Then I would be open to the idea of having someone that ran more of like, you know, just just focus on being really good at, at one side of the football because you don't need that much with that. I mean, we, we literally have had like had the 117th ranked... Offense in S and P plus this year and won seven games. So what do you really need to win nine? Well, I, I think also the thing is what are what are you trying to aim for, right? Like if you're let's say you're let's say you're trying to vie for national championships. Like you're trying you're you're trying to be the Clemson or the Alabamas of the world. You have to be good at everything. That's yeah. the only way you're gonna win. But I don't I don't think I don't think our fan base is one where we're like, that's the goal. We want to be Clemson. Like, we want to be Alabama. It'd be hilarious. Right? I feel like for us, it's more of the... Firing everyone. (laughs) Every year. Every year. (laughs) Four wins again. (laughs) 
<laughs> we were supposed to win the championship this year. Like, I think us for us, it's like vying for a Pac-12, like getting to the champ- Pac-12 championship game every year, right? That's the I think that's would be the solid goal for us. Um, and if you want to do that, you saw what our, the teams in our league do. Like, you don't have to be like a all-out like different styles of offense and attack, and you know be be all that pro style stuff and you see that with the nfl now everyone's moving to that spread and read option game and everything so they're taking their their pickups from the college game too you know so yeah. mm-hmm. it, it'll it's definitely going to be interesting moving forward i i this offseason at least for the offensive staff not in terms of who they fire or who they bring in and whatnot but more so in terms of a scheme like are you you you're looking at your personnel and you you brought in all these juco guys that should be able to produce on the spot and not only Juco, but also like guys like Crawford, the Michigan transfer. We love Michigan transfers apparently. Yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. So nine wins booking now on record (laughs) nine wins next year. All right. So before we do a little wrap up of like other stuff, the bolt, the, the cheese it bowl. Is it in your lifetime, the best cowboy game you have experienced? Um, no. No. I don't think so. Is it up there? Is it? Does it make the top five? Well, I think for us, it, it's just going to date us on how young we are in comparison to some older blues. Right. Because my first game was that was the Air Armed Forces Bowl with Kevin Riley throwing for 300 yards. Right. So my top, I was going to say was above it for me, is the Insight Bowl. Um, is that 04? 05? 03? 03? Uh, oh, we were actually we watched that inside bowl when we were in 02, Phoenix. Two oh two, it was uh it was Tedford's first year. Marcus Vick, yeah, Virginia Tech. Marcus Vick, yeah, against uh, you know Jeff MacArthur didn't play in that game. And Tosh and, uh, Tosh Lupoy actually got a tackle in that game. So we won that game and it was super exciting and that kind of like put us on the map. I'm trying to think. I, we lost the Holiday Bowl with Rodgers and Lynch. All right. Yeah, that seems impossible. But or Rodgers and Arrington, and then uh, what else? We did go to another bowl game between five, oh five, oh six, and oh seven. Oh seven was the Armed Forces Bowl. Oh seven was Armed Forces Bowl where Kevin Riley went hammer time. Yeah, that was like Kevin Riley's "I am here" yeah. game. We had the Poinsettia Bowl in two thousand nine. We uh, had the Emerald Bowl in two thousand eleven. That one was fun. Yeah, so I, I mean that was Javid's. That was yeah. That was Javid. I'm gonna single handedly take down Miami. No, Emerald Bowl was uh, was it 08? Yeah, that was yeah. Emerald Bowl was 08. Okay. Yeah, because that was the year we played in AT. No, no, no. That wasn't the year. But that game was in AT and T. Yeah. Um, I I do remember that game. And then, let's see. We had. And then we had the drought. The Armed Forces Bowl again. With Jared Goff. Yeah. I mean, those are just such lame bowls. (laughs) So, yeah, I just feel like your answer is going to be so much more interesting if you're older than us. Yeah. Because, like, we did play in probably cooler (laughs) bowls than the ones that we've experienced. We've happened, you know, the Tedford years were really nice, and then everything else was kind of... The Holiday Bowl under Tedford probably was the... In terms of... That's kind of my goal for us next year. It's the Holiday Holiday Bowl. Bowl? Yeah. One, it's really easy to get to. Holiday Bowl probably would be... I think we'd need to be fourth in the conference, I believe. Second. No, it's it's changed. The Holiday Bowl is no longer like number two. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I mean, at least judging from this year, Utah Utah played in the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, Utah wasn't Utah didn't Utah got pushed down. That's why they got into the Holiday Bowl. Number two was like the Alamo Bowl or something like that. Like it's the 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 ranking system. Stanford was, ter- was higher than Utah. Utah mm-hmm. was in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, they. Oh, weird. Yeah. Anyways, well, uh, still. Yeah. Holiday Bowl third. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gunning for Rose Bowl. Not yet, my friend. Uh, Not yet. I mean, as long as the Rose Bowl isn't tied to the college football playoffs, like the route to getting at least the, well, the the first step for us would be getting into the Pac-12 championship game, right? Because that you need to win that to get to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So we have like literally the smallest window to get this Rose Bowl. Like I don't know if people know this. I used to say, "How many Rose Bowls do I have left in my life?" So it'd be like maybe like. 50, 60 yeah. Rose Bowl opportunities left. Yeah. But with an 18 playoff, which I've been clamoring for in the NCAA, they're going to take those New Year's Six Bowls and turn them into playoff games. So the Rose Bowl will never be available to us unless we rank in the top eight. So we better get there fast. <laughs> or you don't think that they would just... Uh, this is a topic for a whole nother, whole nother day. Um, we'll talk about that next time. Uh, anyways, cheese Bowl. That's it. It's a wrap. That that game encapsulated our season and was like the perfect way to just say so long 2018 Cal football. Yeah, so here's my final note on the Cheese Bowl was it was fun to be there. It was fun for the players. Apparently the staff was amazing and hosting Phoenix as a host sitting apparently host city was very fantastic for them too. Which by the way, asterisk, the 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 team that uh did the Cheese Bowl is the same team that does the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. So, so it's got to be like really high level. Yeah. And then on top of it, all your players, so all the players, like let me just walk you through like my bowl experience. Is like you basically go into a new city. You can go out like one night where we went out on the town and, and you know, you have curfew and all that type of stuff. And then you get f- swag every single time you come to a meal. So morning, you're getting sweats. At dinner, you're getting a sweatshirt. And it's all bowl branded. You know, the next meal you're getting a shirt. The next thing you're getting a hat. Like it's all new gear. It's awesome. And then on top of it, if you lose, you still get a ring. Like it was the weirdest thing. I never thought I'd have a poinsettia ring, and I have a poinsettia bowl ring where we lost with my name engraved on it, the big fat diamond. <laughs> like not like diamond diamond, but it's like some sapphire thing. And uh, and so your whole the if you really break down the experience, the one thing we didn't get is a win. And yes, it matters, but it only really matters if you put emphasis on it. And so I'm choosing actively to not put right. emphasis on it because really outside of that, nothing else changed too much. Well, my my asked, my thought on that is, does the win at the cheese Bowl really put any like – does it really hinder or hurt you if you lose it or does it really benefit you if you win? I think the only way is you maybe have the hardware in the case. Right. And so my but that's not for us, right? That's more for the players and like, you know, like we, we won't ever see that trophy in person. You know what I mean? But recruiting. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's it. But I mean, yeah, that's recruiting. If they come in and they're like, if they're fawning over like the cheese it Bowl trophy, like that's super weird. <laughs> you know, like, wow, you guys won the cheese. Bowl? I know, right? Like, come on, man. Like you, you, you go to like SC and they're like, you know, they're taking Heisman trophies to like their in-home visits and stuff like that. That's... <laughs> This is a different scale. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up our talk on the cheese Bowl. I hope everyone enjoyed 
that talk. It was we went on a lot of tangents, but it was fun. It was good, fun nonetheless. We need a couple minutes to talk about what just happened at SC this week. <laughs> yeah, Cliff. I was um, hoping we could talk about Cliff today. Yes. So we do have to talk about this because just because of the sheer like Schadenfreude of like what happened, right? So so let me run you through the timeline. All right. Cliff hired as USC's offensive coordinator December 5th. And then just one little addition to that. Yes. He had a week where he was able to decide whether or not he wanted to hear offers from NFL teams and in that week. Right. Yes, he gave him that week. Right. But that was before the NFL season was technically over. Yes. So some teams that might not have been interested then are were currently interested now. But yeah. anyways, uh, fired, f- hired then, went on visits, you know, wore his USC stuff, all that. Earlier this week, find out that NFL teams are interested in signing him. Lynn Swan, the the AD, apparently blocks him from interviewing with the Jets, but then he, that leaks. So then what happens is they allow him to interview. He interviews with the Jets, and I believe he interviewed, or I believe he interviewed with the Jets and then the Cardinals, and then he gets the Cardinals job two days ago. Is that two days ago or yesterday? Officially got the job, and then is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Owes USC 150k, drop in the bucket considering yeah. the contract so he's going to get it. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, apparently according to the USC rivals guy, Klingsbury is most likely going to take the USC running backs coach with him to Arizona, who was the guy that vouched for Cliff to Clay Helton. So that comes around, and then this morning. Jake Spavril, our former OC, is being linked to be the offensive coordinator for said Arizona Cardinals, who just took a job to be the head coach at Texas State. If I had a hundred free dollars to spend, I would spend it on the Cardinals being the absolute worst team in football next year, (laughs) (laughs) without a doubt. Well, they are. I mean, they were already bad. Like they can't. They can't. Like I think they're gonna get worse. You think they're gonna get worse? I'm actually quite excited about this now. I was very dumbfounded about the whole thing yesterday. It's very exciting from being not an SC fan. So that's fun to yeah. see them go through this whole thing. Um, the fact that it was a 150K buyout and Manny Diaz did the same thing, and I'm pretty sure they paid like $3 million. Yeah. What the What the heck? <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, but then... But then... Uh, right, or, so wait, let me, let me interject here. Because... In terms of the buyout thing, yeah. the thing that irks me is like, are you as for, if you're USC, right? Did you really have no idea that NFL teams were interested in Cliff Kingsbury? Like you, you had to have gotten some sort of whiff that some NFL teams were interested in him, right? But I that thought, when you sign that contract, you make it a decently big enough buyout where NFL teams will at least think about it. But 150k, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. But. I think that I thought their interest was that O coordinator. I did not think that that dude was going to get a head, head coaching, coaching job. Looks. No way. No way. He, has, he, he is the least qualified coach since Dirk Cotter. And, uh, and I think he might be less qualified than that in regards to like, I, I just, 
I don't see it. But all right, here's my positive spin now. Okay. The Niners have the second pick in the overall draft. Yep. Or in the NFL draft. Cliff has gone on record on, in October saying if he had the number one pick in the NFL draft, who would he take? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is rumored to be declaring for the NFL draft. Today. That leaked today. So if they take Kyler Murray, that means we get Bosa. At number oh, two. Baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you, but let's let's think about this. Let's think about this rationally. From the Cardinals perspective, do you think that GM is going to let him pick Kyler Murray when you have Josh Rosen, who you just picked in the first round last year? <laughs> it's so. not happening. That's not happening. They, like trade Rosen and which I don't think is happening because he yeah, showed so. promise last year. Like I don't uh, uh, until until Kyler Murray officially declares for the NFL draft. There's no question that they're not going to pick a quarterback at number one. I'm happy for Fitz. It's going to be fun for him to play in this offense. He deserves to have a fun offense playing. Well, he also has Christian Kirk, too. I'm convinced that they're going to lose. They might give up 60 points a game. We're going to see a level of defensive ineptitude in the NFL we've never seen. Scores we've never seen. College scores. Well, but but let's let's be real, though. Okay, we're not... We don't know who his defensive staff is yet. I don't think it matters. You don't think it matters? Uh-uh. For me, I'm on the other side. Like, that's clear that's the clearest way because because the some of the analysis from the nfl guys i saw was like they're trying to mimic what the rams have done right you pick up a young offensive minded coach who can connect with the quarterback and just worry about that side of the ball right right but here's the thing rams defense tons of talent not very good like chiefs offense oh their defense is terrible not very good so i think that what you so what you have so what I see is the same thing. I totally agree with that. They're looking at the offensive side, being like disregarding the defensive side. But then you have a coach that was never able to hire the right coordinator in college in order for him to be successful. Right. You have the exact experiment you are trying to run at a lower level of competition and it failed. See, he but, was fired. Or you see, but that's that's the thing where I see the difference is that for a college coach, that's the knock on Clay Helton right now, right? Is that he doesn't have he doesn't have enough connections to get good assistant coaches to come in and work for him. You know, that's why I believe like his dad's friend is like his offensive line coach or something like that. Like he that's that's what I read on the SC sites is that he he doesn't have the connections in the coaching world to be able to pull those guys to become a part of their staff. And in college football, as the head coach, that's your job, right? But in the pros, that doesn't necessarily have to be your job. You can put that on the GM, right? The GM, the GM is going to have to. The GM is going to know a lot more guys than the new head coach coming in. In my opinion, this right? irks of Sunny Dykes at Cal for me. Just, I mean, it irks of it irks of so much belief in your ability of of crafting this perfect formula that I feel I just feel like it's, it just doesn't work out. I, I mean, the best coach, I don't know a coach in the NFL right now that doesn't underse- understand the defensive side of the football. Maybe McVay. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't say much to Wade Phillips. He just kind of lets Wade Phillips do his thing. Yeah, and they have a bad defense. Yeah. I mean, and Wade a, Phillips yeah. can coach a good defense. 
So, well, I, like, but it's also, also it's like, all, but it's also down on the area. But that's also a personnel thing too, right? Like you've wasted all of your draft picks going after offensive players over the last You're few going years. Cliff plus Babadol, are you crazy? Are you crazy? On the offensive side, that looks great in my opinion. You're going to score like forty points a game. I mean, are they going to run ever? Yes, you have David Johnson. You can't not run with David Johnson. Uh, I think they're going to lose a lot of games. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I think this is going to be. So I mean, regardless, regardless, I think my so so my point is they're looking at their their division rivals at the Rams uh-huh. and going that's pretty much the same setup we have. We have a young, talented quarterback, right? We have an outstanding running back. We're just gonna bring in a young coach to coach him up and like grow with him, and we'll bring in a defensive guy who can just handle that side of the ball. We don't know who their defensive staff is yet. I don't think they've. I don't think they've even like. There's not been any leaks about that whatsoever. But that's neither here nor there. If I'm a good defensive coach, there's no way I'm going anywhere near that team. Okay. Would you? I would. Why? Because I know they're going to score a lot. But you're also going to give up a ton of points, and it's going to look bad on you. But that's not. I mean, why was the Cal job so unattractive to so many people after we fired Andy Buck? Andy Buh? Mm-hmm. Because our cupboard was bare as bones. Yeah, and? Maybe Sonny just didn't know any defensive guys to hire. I think also a lot of people had questions about whether you could really pair that type of offense with a defense. Like, or with really, you know, that what we saw with that style of offense. Not even really looking at... The problem is my only example is Sonny because we had it so personally yeah. here. Yeah. But just looking at an air raid system that we got to observe... What we saw was at its peak, it was really successful when it worked. But when we would get into those spells and we'd go three and out, the defensive side of the ball would get taxed at a rate that they were not conditioned to potentially play at. Yeah. And that wore them down so much over time that we actually got decimated by injury and then had one of the worst defenses to ever play college football. Yeah, I guess it depends on the style of defense you have to play too, right? Like you can't... Yeah. You you can't you got to be playing coverage a lot more. You can't be like blitzing guys left and right, um, trying to get upfield. I think I'm putting but, my money on. Give me a five year period. Maybe they get some wins in the first year, and other than that, I expect it to be a full on dumpster fire. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't expect that team to be good anytime soon either. But they're gonna they're gonna give him time. Yeah. Like they're not they're not gonna be like you didn't make the playoffs in year two. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. they're not going to be that stupid. But if, um, if they're historically bad on defense, they might. Yeah, but they'll they'll probably dump the defensive coordinator then and they'll try to get a new guy in. Anyways, the thing is, I think the moral of the story, I think Seattle just continues to do their thing. Yeah. In the NFC West, the Niners have a bad defense, the Rams have a bad defense, and the Cardinals will have a bad defense. And the Rams used to have a good. Re- the Rams used to have a great defense. Um, they have so much talent. Not anymore. I mean, they gave away a lot of their talent. Like, Robert Quinn's not there anymore. They lost uh, James Lartonitis. Like, they, they had a lot of defensive guys that they invested in with first-round, second-round picks. Yeah. Which they haven't been able to do because they spent all of recently all their picks on offensive guys to surround Goff. And then on top of that, they didn't have a bunch of their first-round picks because they went out and traded for Goff. Yeah, and Cooks and stuff. So, yeah. So, I think you, you have to – that has to come into account where maybe starting this year – They'll go after some young defensive guys to to build around um, Aaron Donald, who is amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they need some linebackers. That's what they need. But we talked about this for a while. But the point of me bringing this up wasn't to talk about the NFL side. I wanted to talk about the USC side. Like, what 
where does Clay Helton go now? <laughs> like, you probably got the most touted offensive coordinator, quote unquote, that was on the that was on the open market, right? Mm-hmm. And you basically got him, and you basically just left. <laughs> it was a catch and release for a month. With this offense, like I don't know what you what you're gonna do now. Like if you're if you're Lynn Swan, like he's Clay Helton's probably already on a short leash by all those donors at SC. Mm-hmm. At this point, like do you do you cut your losses? Like what? I don't know what you would do. It's a it's a very weird situation in my opinion. I don't know because like you know at least like Temple with the Manny Diaz thing, right? He's gone. You're just looking for a brand new head coach. Yeah. Right? That's You're just starting from scratch again. But this is like one of those weird ones where you had a head coach who brought in an offensive coordinator, and the offensive coordinator didn't even stick for more than a month. And well, he, he bounced. So Clay Helton's fault. Well, I mean, that's not Clay Helton's fault. But at the same time, like, you like you had to have known <laughs> to a certain degree. Yeah, it might have been a risk that they were willing to make. I think, I don't know if they'll go air raid. Um, but if they do, it's good for us. Yeah. So hopefully they do go air raid. Well, their personnel, I think, is made to be a very good air raid team, like offensively, because they have so many stellar, like, athletic wide receivers. That And JT Daniels, I think, is going to be a very good player for in the Pac-12 for a while. Yeah, he's pretty good. So, you know, you, you have a guy who can sling at the ball. You have a bunch of guys that can catch the ball. Like, why not bring in that type of system, at least for now, that fits that mold? Um. Because you don't want JT Daniels and all those wide receivers' talents to go to waste. Like, especially if they, you know, if Brew McCoy is actually on campus, like they're saying that he is, like, you have another five star athlete, the number one athlete in the country in this class on your campus, along with all of those other five star guys that you bring in every year. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this Send is. And some our way. You know what the weird part about all this is? Hmm. Is that when we have Pac 12 Media Days this year, this will be the first year in a while where we don't have any new head coaches. I looked down the list. There's not a single head coach that's going to be that's going to be fired this season. Yeah, like this offseason, unless someone decides to jump ship and go to another program. Yeah, there's not going to be no one. It's going to be the same exact group. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, we're going to see Got continuity. A lot of turnover recently. So yeah, I mean the Taggart one was the biggest <laughs> big fish one. All right, well that wraps it up for us here on the Golden Blogs podcast, sponsored by the Booth Brewing. Follow your fun. So that's it for us here. We will be back soonish with another end of the year, end of the season podcast with Trace. We want to go back and uh, listen to our preseason podcast and talk about like all of the things that our predictions that we thought well we got right, we got wrong, and then also some early early predictions uh, going into next season too. So that'll be fun. <laughs> that'll be fun to see our our percentage of. Uh, how many things we got right and how many things we got wrong. Yeah. No, no, I can't wait. Yeah. It'll be really fun. All right. Uh, but other than that, that's it. We're all good. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. <laughs>